Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, as always, you can call us the front of the plane, because we are all business to begin with. If you'd like to follow this podcast, you can do just that on Twitter or Instagram, at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow. Feel free to tweet at us, tweet around us, retweet us. Anything to do with a tweet and to do with Podcast Horseman, please do just that. Or Instagram too. We've enjoyed creating a community that goes along with this show and this podcast. And we like to grow it even further. If you'd like to also follow either of your hosts, you can do that as well. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. Um, we'd love you to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or follow or whatever it's called now. If you're still using the app on Spotify where you can follow. And by the way, thank you to those of us, those of you that have reached out to let us know that you, we've appeared somehow on your Spotify. This is what you're listening to. Weird, invasive, mm. little uh, sort of uh, algorithm that they've recently spat out. It's nice all the same to see those podcast horseman graphics on. So keep them coming. Thank you very much. Um, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, you can listen to podcast horsemen, including on the uh, Acast a link that we put up every week at Podcast Horseman on the Twitter feed. And you can stream it through there. You can subscribe through there. Pretty much on all of those mediums, you can leave us a bit of feedback. That would be great. Like every podcast you've ever listened to, we are going to beg you for those five-star reviews. If your app allows, we would love it if you could drop one in there. It gets us up the charts. It gets more people talking to horse about a talking horse. And starting again in season six, if you leave us a five-star review, you will get yourself a star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame. As we are still in season five, we are looking for quote tweets every week when that episode link goes up on the at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. If you quote tweet that episode, if you share it with your friends and your followers, uh, and indeed some of the enemies that might follow you, uh, you stand a chance of getting your very own special season five star. A season five star that was looking very lovely in multiples of hundreds in a gorgeous Twitter thread that I saw on the at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed this week. Have a look at some of those to know what you're going to be getting as your prize. We love it if you did that. Uh, and we'll have another one of those coming at the end of this episode. Patience is a virtue, I've heard. And my <laughs> word, there must be lots of you out there with plenty of <laughs> virtue because, or a virtue, how does that work? I don't know. Yeah, but yes, the whole batch of um, Hollywood Talk of Fame stars went out this weekend, just gone. I hope you all enjoyed them. You all deserve them. Thank you for your patience, genuinely. We would do it sooner, but then where would be the fun in that? 
we wouldn't get to see you all <laughs> constantly messaging me passive aggressive messages about how you haven't had your stars yet. Now, I mean, that's my favorite part of my day, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. The stars are out, and I'm glad you finally all got them. This show deserves stars, as do you. Anyway, speaking of this show, shall we go across to Netflix for our synopsis for this week's episode, Michael? And it might not be some stars, but we do have a couple of clouds because it's season five, episode 10, and it is called Head in the Clouds. At the Philbert premiere party, so I guess we do have some stars, Princess Carolyn deftly negotiates a deal, Gina steps into the limelight, and Diane confronts Bojack. Lots of positive moves. I say positive moves, lots of big moves by the women in this episode, as you can perhaps be suggested by the synopsis, Michael. Mm, and speaking of big moves by women, we start at a coastal convent um, where a nun rushes in to speak to the, the sister, I guess the uh, the kind of the chief nun maybe of this comment. We believe there's a sort of uh, a superiority between the one at the desk and the one that's just rushed in looking hurried and haggard and stressed. Um, she is referring to a mysterious woman who has emerged from the ocean. Uh, she's been there for around two years and shows no obvious signs of understanding anything at all. Um, the senior nun chastises the sister's lack of faith and advises her to take the woman to the beach. She must get through to her. Um, it is not about like waiting for the Lord to send a message. It is about working until the message is sent to you. Um, so the woman takes to the beach and there the so the nun takes the woman to the beach and there the two of them stand with their feet by the sea. The nun is asking if this silent mute woman in the gown with the hood over the top feels anything, even feels the sea washing in below. But there is still no response. Um, there's still no response to the woman until she pulls off her hood to reveal that it's character actress Margot Martindale. Obviously, we haven't seen her for quite a long time. We believe that she'll still be out on the lamb, if indeed alive. She is indeed alive, but she's been a mute, obviously, all this time in this mysterious remote island. The nun despairs, obviously not being aware of Margot Martindale's excellent work in a number of highly regarded television series. Um but suddenly, out of nowhere, Margot starts wailing, Bojack, 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 on repeat. She looks stressed, she looks frightened, she looks strained. The nun, of course, has no clue who or what Bojack is. But suddenly, Margot Martindale points to the sky and sees an enormous 100-foot floating blimp shaped in the style of Bojack, dressed as Filbert. And that is what takes us to the credits. Adam Nicholas, give me a breather because I already need one. The most important thing you could possibly need to know is that Marg, sorry, allow me to give her a correct tale. <laughs> Character actress Margot Martindale is back in business, baby. <laughs> oh, it was good to see her being revealed. Certainly not the reveal that I ever thought it was going to be when I watched this episode for the first time. <laughs> Let me tell you, I wasn't even sure this was going to be real. I thought it was going to be like a, like a trailer for a film or something. Mm. The way it sets it up is really well done. And just as a little tidbit, Michael, for you, go on, I'll give you it. I'll give you it, seeing as how you asked so nicely. Um, the last time we heard of Margot Martindale, as you recall, as you mentioned, who was on the lamb, season four, episode one, uh, MSNBC oh. News, the little ticker at the bottom told us the dangerous fugitive, and, dangerous fugitive and highly acclaimed character actress Margot Martindale still lost at sea, presumed dead, but they should have known better, Michael. They should. I love the idea that like such an amazing character actress is effectively playing the role of a mute for the better part. She was so good yeah. that even yeah. subconsciously she was doing a good job of being a character actress. <laughs> amazing so, stuff. Great setup. 
And who knows where it will lead, Michael? But that gigantic thing of Bojack floating through the air looked like both the best thing ever and ultimately you know that it was not going to be a good thing either, didn't you? It just it doesn't yeah. look ominous screams of Bojack from Marvel. <laughs> Do not fill you full of joy, I don't think. There had to be a story behind that great big Bojack airship, and it looks like we're going to get it because the episode starts proper with a 60 days earlier title card. Um, that cuts to Bojack lying flat on the floor in absolute agony as police and ambulance sirens is circling. You can see the um, yellow shell of his crashed Tesla. It's obviously coming off the back of the crash at the end of the last episode when he ran out of his pain pills. Um, and then we get another title card that says 57 days later. And then in a wonderful meta reference to how silly that cold open was, it says in brackets, three days before that thing with the nuns. So <laughs> we back in that sort of, obviously he's been in hospital all this time following the car crash. He's struggling to get his trousers on and he's all tuxedoed up for some reason. And um, it turns out he's gained weight while recovering in hospital. Um, because he's been eating milkshakes through his feeding tube. Um, and we learn this through a conversation he's having with Gina. Um, they're at his house in his bedroom. They're getting ready to go to uh, a Filbert um, live screening premiere. Um, still together, obviously, after Bojack inadvertently declared his love to Gina in the last episode while searching for drugs with Hollyhock. Um, they're in the middle of reading a extremely, almost surprisingly positive review of Filbert. Um, Bojack notes there's a number of caveats in there. Oh, like unusually good for Bojack Horseman, that sort of thing. And he's just frustrated with them. Gina comments that oh, I'd hate to see you when you actually got a bad review. Um, but she's too busy being thrilled to be named in a review for the first time. Not only is she named, her performance is praised. This is uncharted territory for Gina. Typically, as we've learned through season five, she has become at ease with her mortgage paying acting work as the often unnamed or unpraised female sidekick to a male lead in crime procedurals, but not this time. Um, the reviewers are focused on as much upon her as they are on Bojack. Bojack is repeatedly saying not to let it get to her head, um, including when he hands her some earrings, which, of course, she then notes literally go to her head. But he does say that he's got them as a gift because she visited him every day in the hospital. And he really liked that. Well, why wouldn't he? Gina just seems very nice and into this. Um, as we would find out when they're driving to the premiere, um, she's asking them how they're going to acknowledge each other as a couple on the red carpet and for the various media that's going to be there. Are we us or are we us us? Uh, Bojack isn't keen on them publicly outing themselves as a couple just yet. Um, and she reluctantly concurs, but then the awkwardness is broken up by Bojack being saved by the bell. He gets a call from Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, He's with Pickles, and they're also very excited about going to the premiere. They offer Bojack and Gina a lift, which gets a, quote, hard no. But uh, Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles seem blissfully unaware that Bojack is just doing whatever he can to not speak to them. I love how he's needed Mr. Peanut Butter to get him out of an awkward conversation. And then the second he's actually <laughs> chatting to him, he wants him off the phone. Um, there's a lovely moment here at this point as well between Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles um, arriving themselves in a the car, obviously without Bojack and Gina. Uh, Pickles is just super buzzed to be at this party as is Mr. Peanut Butter. So rarely has Peanut Butter been simpatico with his partners in the past in this kind of environment. And it's lovely that finally he's found somebody that can enjoy this crack as much as he does. Um, cameras flash as the cast and crew arrive. Um, photographers are asking for solo shots of Bojack, which Gina isn't offended by, as she says she'll meet him inside as he walks the red carpet alone. Um, but as she's walking away, he, with a little bit of a condescending tone, notes that it's going to be Gina that they're going to be only taking pictures of one day. Once they've seen this show, she's going to be a star. And then note, quote, that 39-year-old actress is going places. Hollywood is slime. 
Um, on the red carpet, he bumps into Diane, who asks about his crash, but he's still a little bit stilted, as indeed is the relationship between the two. They're trying to say a lot, but as we still see, they're saying absolutely nothing. Uh, nice setup stuff here. Really nice setup stuff. Um, good relationship dynamics between Peanut Butter Pickles, Bojack and Gina, which for the first time in a while we're seeing, and there'll be a lot of this in this episode to come, we're seeing two characters taking the same tracks, but in very different ways in Peanut Butter and Bojack. And I thought they did an excellent job of establishing the premiere of being where all of Hollywood is. It feels for one night like the lights are again shining on Bojack for everything that could have gone wrong for him after he became a film star through Secretariat, but then effectively like gambled it all away on booze, drugs and disappearing. He's getting another go. This is what happens. He's getting another go. And this is a pretty big deal, all of this. Another goal for Bojack Horseman, indeed. And I mean, I think it's a really good setup, like from a perspective of the relationships, as you say, because we get to see things going pretty well from what we can see between Pickles and Mr. Peanut Butter. And all things considered, despite the fact he's a bit sheepish, things seem to be going pretty well between Bojack and Gina. This is a bit of longevity, perhaps you might even mm -hmm. call with their, what is it, like 60 days we have, or 57 yeah. days, whatever it is. Uh, at this point, but then knowing that we're going to the premiere, the way they set up, you know, it's big enough to bring all of the worlds together that we know in this show. And it's just it. when Bojack Horseman, the show, gets a setup right, you know, you're in for a good one, or certainly an intriguing one. And this, because it's Hollywood, is always going to be good, right? This is the this is the most bullshit Hollywood type deal you're going to get <laughs> yeah. a, a premiere for a show where they're, like, all the paparazzis are there, the red carpets are there. Oh, I can't imagine whose head it will go to, Michael. Especially when we see the establishing shot of the whole place. And what do we see floating above the the whole premiere, of course? The Bojack thing we saw earlier in the flash back, flash forward? Flash forward. forward. Technically, yeah. the uh, flash forward. With, it is um, the first glimpse of it, though, yeah. The first glimpse of it, properly tethered. So as yeah. we know, Michael, what could possibly go wrong? Something's got to happen in order for that to no longer be where it once was. And yeah, as you say, like with it being, not only with it being Hollywood, but with it being Bojack Horseman, the show, um, you are being served a cake, but as if that cake was there to bust Margot Martindale out of prison, it's got a file in it. It's got a blade. And at some point, you just like any night out gone bad, you're just waiting for the edge to show itself. You can feel it almost immediately. And it's that is a like, I think it's a nice tension that at this point, five seasons in, like Bojack gets to play with. They never, whether it be house parties, whether it be red carpet premieres, whether it be any kind of gatherings, as you say, that kind of bring, if not all of Hollywood, all of our visions of Hollywood together, you know something ugly this way comes and you start becoming on edge looking for it yourself I think well and we've just had the episodes like what was it two episodes ago Mr Peanut Butter's Booze like mm. which tells us parties are a great place for everything to go wrong despite the fact <laughs> that you are turning up with the expectation versus reality thing of maybe it'll be really good what could possibly go wrong Hollywood stars and celebrities what do they know do they know things let's find <laughs> out and ultimately it's just a, the perfect setup, while also you can't help but get the feeling when you're watching this, because it's a giant thing of Bojack, it's filibat floating across the sky and everybody turning up for it. And it's for a TV show, Michael, and it's for a very specific TV show. TV show. The parallels to us thinking, is this just the premiere for the newest season of Bojack Horseman, the show, 
is really like blatantly obvious and there for everybody to see, which they will, of course, tie in most beautifully in the best way that Bojack Horseman does throughout the course of this episode. Indeed. And again, that sort of takes you back to that meta reference at the end of the very first episode. Yeah. Isn't it? What a season of television this is going to yes, be. Yes, indeed. This is, we felt um, three little clues like the changing in credit music, uh, that line from Flick very early on, Bojack living the identical life to his character Philbert. This is Bojack Horseman very intentionally eating itself as a TV show in season five. And we're about to sit down for a buffet of that. Um, with Flip and Bojack introducing the Philbert premiere to the uh, the crowd, they're very excited to see it. Flip is kind of being his typical egotistical self, making it all about his own creative vision and his own creative direction. He's doing a really terrible job of delivering gags to the point that when people actually laugh at something he says, he has to stop to remind them that none of the laughs in Philbert are unintentional. Bojack, rarely for him, spots this going badly wrong and tries to steer it into safer ground. Um, he's just trying to smooth things along. Um, but in doing so, twice calls Flip Herb. We've been waiting for that exact shoe to drop. The reveals over the season that Flip is just another hack writing for Bojack Horseman was the moment that, like, oh, this it's happening again. It's happening again, Bojack. And he calling him Herb here with that. Another hack man as well, of course, because yeah. it has to be. Yeah, another hack man effectively writing Bojack's real life into a television show and thinking it's his opus. Um, nonetheless, Bojack sort of does skim past that and puts over the show as this great piece of work that he's very proud of. He calls his character Philp an everyman um, because he's done, quote, terrible, unforgivable things, and that, quote, we're all terrible, so we're all okay. Diane, in the crowd at this point, is about to eat a very tiny taco that we've understood are very popular at these events. And the filling drops out of a taco as she just stares in disbelief at what Bojack has just said. A little bit more on that later as to why she reacted that way. Um, but it is utter shock. Um, the show begins and we get the lovely, again, another gag in the title card of, quote, a tight hour and 18 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, and cuts back to a gushing standing ovation from everybody there, obviously matching the opinions of the reviewers that Gina and Bojack were reading earlier on, other than Diane, who is still pretty much in stunned shock. Um, she stops only to say, quote, barf me a river, which we know now to be the big catchphrase from the show. Uh, but we can't get into the critical analysis just yet because we're going to Mr. Peanut Butter, who is looking for pickles to get her opinion because she walked out after just 15 minutes. Um, She's at the after party taking selfies in her new sort of self-declared role as an influencer, putting over local businesses, stuff like that. Um, As it turns out, she bailed uh, very early on because she just couldn't get into the show. She uh, couldn't get on board with Mr. Peter Butler acting as the badass character Fritz because all she sees is her cute boyfriend. She is kind of inadvertently being quite critical of his acting because she she (laughs) sees through it completely. What wasn't making it ideal was Mr. Peter Butler asking, quote, did you love it? Do you love it? How do you like that scene? <laughs> over and over again, which only made her feel more hassled. Um, of course, again, as we talk about the two characters always on the same track, exactly the same as Bojack looking for a reaction after a gag. That three question rule of Hollywood stars and celebrities, what do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. This is a, one of them wonderful things that Bojack Horseman always does. Um, but again, she just couldn't answer the question honestly, so took herself away from the situation. She immediately feels really guilty about this. She notes that Mr. Peanut Butter like, likes every one of her Instagram posts, even though he doesn't have to. So she wants to watch this for him. Um, not just this episode, every episode. So she races home to do that in a very kind of like sweet and affectionate way. Peanut Butter kind of tries to stop her, but then lets her leave to go and have her night while he has his. 
Um, meanwhile, Bojack and Gina are toasting the Premier. They're very relaxed. They're very settled um, on these sofas to one side. Um, and Gina is really excited that she might get her first ever season two. Um, but when they're interrupted by media this time around, it's for her and not Bojack. So indeed, maybe her excitement at this going particularly well is just fine. Bojack, less keen than Gina was to let his other half get the limelight, but he lets it happen all the like He kind of puts his ego to one side to Carmel and politely said, yeah, sure. So off she goes to be sort of courted by the media. Um, and in the background of this, Diane is exasperated with Flip. All of these things happening at like different areas of the after party, basically. Uh, Diane is exasperated with Flip because her attempts to make Philbert more vulnerable have inadvertently resulted in making him more likable through Flip's scripting and direction. Um, Flip misses the point of her critique entirely and thinks it's just about recognition because to him that's all any of this is about. Um, but Diane, again, tries to get the point across that she doesn't want it to be, quote, a way to help dumb assholes rationalise their own awful behaviour. Um, Flip notes that it's all about to drop at midnight and all of the show is about to drop on every streaming service when Diane desperately calls for it to be called back. It's far too late for that. Um, so she attempts to leave the party in disgust. Take a little bit of a break there because big things are about to come our way. Um, yeah, like a nice little kind of interwoven pack of three separate scenes here. Again, between the the interactions of the main characters, I guess we've got the um, the two couples in the form of Bojack and Gina and their continued development and Gina's praise from the media. Uh, peanut butter and pickles, unique, differing responses to how the premiere has gone down and Flip and Diane being given the opportunity really for the writers to flesh out Diane's concerns that we saw in that shocked expression before it aired. Mm. Yeah, so Bojack and Gina, I guess we're going to start with in terms of like, just seeing how much of a nice, and genuinely like a nice time it looks like they're kind of having. They've obviously, mm. the premiere's been a hit. They're both kind of enjoying a drink together and just having a good time. But then Gina finally starting to get some recognition. We've seen it already in the review. And then we see it again. She's the one who gets picked for the interview. And in fairness, Bojack isn't too much of a douche. I don't know if maybe he's just thinking, Phew, give me five minutes because he's probably... It's quite an intense night, but like, <laughs> dare I say, Michael, Gina might actually be quite quite a good actress. Like, yeah. who who would have ever thought that a woman could actually succeed in Hollywood, Michael? <laughs> I mean, we're heading into uncharted territory here. I think we're <laughs> five seasons where we've done this show. A woman's been allowed to just be the best, which is <laughs> what what they're all tending to do these days in Hollywood. Nevertheless, nice to see. Also, speaking of women being the best, yes, all right. Pickles not watching the um, show to go out and message a friend a lol or something on Instagram wasn't exactly the, the best excuse for not seeing it. But her actively being like, I will literally go home and do this for you. There's like there's a there's a little gem oh, of niceness in there, isn't it? Really like, it's sweet, lovely. Really sweet. Which also suggests a real nice comfort between the two because you know, it's not like she wants to let him have his nice night and she wants to also go and be able to do something nice for him so that they'll be on the, so that they can be on the same page. Rather than you feel like if it was Peanut Butter and Diane, this might have ended in a huge argument because they weren't on the same page rather than them trying to find the happy medium. So already mm. we're seeing like a nice, some nice rhythm between these two. And then, interestingly, again, we have all kind of already mentioned that meta detail that's going to be happening in this episode quite a lot. This whole Flip and uh, Diane interaction is just amazing because this is what we've all been... We, you know... I guess we kind of mentioned it a lot. We call Bojack when we watch when we watch and re review this show. We call him a stupid piece of shit horse quite often. 
because it's important that you remind people that he is a stupid piece of horse because yeah. he does, does some terrible things. Yes, you can enjoy Bojack and you can find him funny and you can find him likeable and you can relate to certain parts of him and you can you can find yourself rooting for him even though he is the worst. But at the end of it, there is a hugely important thing here, isn't there, about that's outside of Bojack the character, watching Bojack the show, you still need to remember, they're trying to show you a bad character. Like, yeah. you want to idolise this man, you are to understand the perils of the man. And the way that Diane is explaining this through Philba is just... It's it's, oh, it's exceptional, man. Like it really is the like, you're gonna get again. You're gonna get a few instances of this throughout the episode, but just it's so well done. But st- of course, the man in Hollywood, Flip McFigger, is only thinking about how this affects him. Is she mm. after the thing he already has? That's what his brain is thinking. She's worried about the wide concerns of what the audience might think. Flip is too busy thinking. Is she coming to try and take my credit from the show that I definitely wrote, even though she <laughs> wrote it? Do you know what I mean? Like, it shows you how like self-centered and narcissistic all the blokes are. Whereas Diane is immediately like, "This is bad on a societal scale if we let this go." Out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's you know like I didn't even this was one of those scenes because there were so many in this episode where because the gender dynamics were more um, like in the subtext, rather than what they were particularly speaking about. Like, it wasn't a main takeaway, but now you say that, completely right, it's just yet another, obviously, example of the deeply and fatally flawed um, power dynamics between genders in Hollywood and Flip's Flip's position of power, here because Diane can only walk away. She can't assume any control of it to try and change the narrative. Flip's telling her that the episodes are dropping at midnight anyway, so that time is long gone for Diane. So all that's left for her to do is to walk away from something. And even that's too late because her name's attached to all of it. And she'll be given credit that she doesn't even want for yeah. like being a consultant or whatever the the, the role that ultimately helped like craft and what she believed was fine-tune this show. Um, yeah, like a word on this now in case I don't do it justice in the next scene. But Bojack, we've, Bojack Horseman isn't a show that skewers other forms of television or film or media or indeed Hollywood, it doesn't skewer it out of cruelty. It skewers it because it is there to be skewered. It attacks um, it attacks weak men, and it attacks a pathetic system that is rigged, and a game that is rigged, and an industry that is cheap and lazy and flawed. It doesn't just target shows by name and say, that's crap. Or it doesn't, with a couple of exceptions, pick, <laughs> on, actors yeah. say, pick on actors and say they're rubbish. Everything has got everything has got meaning and everything has got purpose behind it because it's it's a universe building and it's trying to it's trying to highlight the things that maybe real Hollywood has tried to obscure and Bojack Horseman as a show bravely brings that to the front and now it's time to do it about itself. It's time to yeah. do it about it's trying to potentially observe, which I don't think they were happening, but it's trying to potentially observe criticisms of itself and. Show yes. them to the audience for any members of the audience that might not have picked some of them up. Bojack Horseman is better than the show you like, but we say this all the time in the podcast. You wish more people watched it. So why is it still considered a niche concern? Well, because perhaps one of the reasons it's not tapped into the mainstream public consciousness is because a lot of people think it think it thinks too much. Mm. Think that it kind of like, dare I say it gets up its own ass too much. And yeah. here it's telling you very clearly. No, 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 we are aware of this and let's talk about this now. 
let's talk about ourselves. Let's put ourselves under this microscope. And I, I like again, like I worry that I won't do this next scene, which does an even better job of this justice. But all these teases throughout this episode, where you realise that the whole season has been about Bojack Horseman analysing itself and looking inward at the character it's created and how much of a hero it wants to be. And I'd like to think over five seasons of Podcast Horseman, we've never tried to put Bojack on a pedestal or we've like reviewed the episode, spotting where he might be on a pedestal and made sure that, that he slips by the end or whatever the, whatever the story is. And I love that like that isn't left in any doubt by the end of season five. And it really, like it hits you in this particular episode, what they've been doing the whole time. It's it's masterful. It's absolutely masterful. A powerhouse, some might even call <laughs> there we it. Go. Some, it. Some, some might call it that. I mean, you've never normally hear that phrase on this podcast, but yes, a powerhouse indeed. And I just, I love the way that they do this. Like you mentioned it many, many seasons ago and have continued to. If you're going to have the balls to go and take on Hollywood, Hollywood, the real life Hollywood, in the way that they do on this show, then you have to be sort of bold enough and have and ballsy enough. Not even balls enough. Balling would need less balls, if anything. That's what it's got <laughs> too many balls. But like you've got to have the conviction to hold the mirror up to yourself as well. You can't just be like, let's mock all this other stuff, but then we'll pretend that we are just they know their own flaws. They know what the show is and isn't and they know what they're trying to do and what people are saying about the show. Presumably at the time, you know, they'll be locked into all the criticisms. But I think the fact that they actually spend time this entire season, whether you realise it or not, is about, okay, well, let's have a go at this show then. Let's have a go at this show, our show. And what's it like when we turn the mirror on ourselves and turn it into the story as well? Just layer upon layer. What, what more do you expect from Bojack Horseman? It's better than the show you like. We say that for a reason. And it, it's, it's true. Uh, well, and one of the reasons is this next scene. Um, Diane, of course, going to leave, getting away from this conversation from Flip and indeed from the party, um, bumps into Bojack who is just sort of sat by himself having a smug, um, and asks him to clarify his speech from earlier in the night. Um, she reiterates to him, before he really gets the chance, that it's absolutely not the point of Philbert. Um, but Bojack, just much like Flip, really, doesn't see the issue, doesn't see the problem, thinks Diane can't accept that maybe something she's done is successful, which, understandably, um, angers her. He feels like he's willfully ignoring the argument she's trying to put across. She's fuming that he continues to miss the point, um, calls him, quote, a mess, and says that she doesn't even know him anymore. Um, Bojack refutes that he's a mess, refutes all of that, really. Um, but Diane fires back um, with how little she knows about New Mexico. Again, dropping that in like a pipe bomb. Um, Bojack snaps, asking why she's, quote, obsessed with him and what went down in New Mexico. But she protests that it's nothing to do with that. It's nothing to do with obsession. She wanted to know what happened because she still thought they were close enough to be able to share those details with each other about their lives. He says, quote, you never asked, which we know to be absolute bollocks. And him effectively gaslighting her in the moment for putting it back on her when it was his to share the amount of time she tried to unlock that and he just kept that all locked up. Um, she protests that she's wanted to know all along um, and she's asking right now. It's at this point that like the it's all broken up a little bit. They're forced to like argue through gritted teeth as a, um, a photographer from Yahoo Finland <laughs> comes to take their picture. Very obscure Finnish entertainment website. So they haven't had this row through smiles. Um, the photographer finally leaves uh, and Diane says, finally, out and out, she wants the truth. As Bojack's friend, as the author of his book, and now as a writer on his soon-to-be hit show. Uh, she's worried about 
what that'll do for her reputation if this is serious stuff. Which Bojack, again, hurls back in her face a selfishness about it being about Diane protecting her brand. It's not about, in his mind, it's not about Diane wanting to be a friend and wanting to find out what exactly happened to him. It's all about her. Uh, she only wants to know about New Mexico for what it might look like if she's associated with him. So in realising that, he then decides to try and tell her out of spite. Bojack cutting his giant horse nose off to cut his giant horse face. Um, even in trying to tell her about the story, he's just reducing it immediately, noting that it's no worse than some of the other awful things he's done. Um, and then in going through and recapping some of the awful things he's done, he swears that he can barely remember any of those things, so the women probably won't either. Says, quote, I'm the one who has to live with all this shit notes that he's the one that has to feel the guilt of all of the actions, all the consequences of his actions. And when Diane sarcastically asks if he wants to be considered the victim, he says, yes, Nicholas, he does. Quote, I'm the one that suffered the most because of the actions of Bojack Horseman. Diane is horrified at this, so goes for the throat and asks if he includes Sarah Lynn in that assessment. That's where he draws the line. He refuses to rise that anymore. He won't have Sarah Lynn's death brought into this conversation, just as we've seen. He won't have brought into any conversation. Um, Diane gets right in his face about it, about him letting her down, about having sex with her when she came to him for advice and help, about leading her back to booze and drugs with that bender when she was trying to stay clean, the bender that killed her. Meanwhile, Bojack is alive with a girlfriend and a TV show, and that must be really, really hard for him. Bojack says, oh, well done, you've won the argument, but he isn't going to change, and it's about time that she realised that. For him, it's not about change, it's just about moving forward. He doesn't need Diane's help, he doesn't want Diane's help. And after the book sold all the copies, she taught him, not himself, she taught him that he can be this epic scrub and still be okay. Again, throw that back in Diane's face. When we know what she's been fighting for this episode, feels crueler than normal. Diane says... She doesn't even believe that he's okay. She doesn't believe that that's true, nor does she believe that he even wants any of that to be true, that he's just saying it to try and not deal with the events of all of these things that have happened in his life. She wants to believe that he can be better, if only because the way he sees it is not a relationship that she can be a part of. If Bojack can't understand that all of this is bad, then she can no longer be around Bojack, and she doesn't want that. In desperation, realising that he's about to lose her for good, he starts to tell her the New Mexico story. But yet again, he can't get to the details. He can't accept responsibility. He just deals entirely in stutters and half-baked, unfinished sentences where he gets sort of like all of the details so mixed up that he almost starts taking less responsibility for it. It's all, oh, I was going into a room. I wouldn't have done anything. And anyway, Charlotte interrupted and nothing happened yet. And what a big... Three-letter word, that is. Like somebody tried to say yes in a chat and saying yet instead. He, the yet is what hangs and she goes to leave. She has had more than enough of that bullshit. When she goes to leave, he grabs her arm saying, please stay. He begs her and begs her and she replies as he's forcibly gripping her arm at this point, quote, please let go of me. And then, quote, you're hurting me and I would like you to let go now. He does. And she races away in tears. Uh, he's up a height. And he necks some pills and a drink. But bizarrely, rather than what we've seen in the past, that seems to calm him down for a second, right? As he was starting to lose his breath and like look like he was going to go back into panic attack, Bojack. It actually does settle him. But when he walks away, the animation style leaves a trail of scattered Bojacks behind him. 
Where's he going? What's he doing? <laughs> what do we know? We don't know yet. But that, Adam Nicholas, was a scene. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. <laughs> what, what a scene it was as well. This was amongst the many, many all-timer dialogues that you're going to get with, with Bojack and Diane. This one, I mean, <laughs> the horse noises aside, <laughs> genuinely, think of what they're drawing on in this conversation. How many seasons worth of context we are drawing on in this in this particular bit of dialogue, and how long we've been waiting for this. This is the we've this is they've made us wait for it. We've got close to it on many occasions. We thought maybe in this. Let's just to remind you as well. We had its internal sub, so it's uh, season five, episode seven, uh, which is what like four, four episodes or well, three episodes ago earlier, technically, or two episodes earlier, three episodes. Um, so they've kind of made you wait. So, you know, they've put mm. these other episodes in between, despite the fact we now know what's the big bombshell was dropped in there through Diane's, Diane's use of the facts into the dialogue of um, <laughs> of Philbat, if you will. <laughs> And yeah, I mean it's explosive, explosive, heartbreaking. Watching the way the the soundtrack is so subtle but so perfect of just building the painful tension. The way they cut it up with those two little joke gags of people walking past, mm-hmm. and like the the flow of Hollywood. The guy from Yahoo Finland, by the way, hilarious to <laughs> me that as they're trying to do this argument through gritted teeth, and then a couple of guests I think later on walk past as they're in the middle of a, a huge like they're in each other's face akin to when Carolyn, Princess Carolyn and Bojack were in that restaurant in each other's face. It's, the tension's so high. And yet, we just get everything we've waited for and see this fallout of unfathomable proportions. And Bojack almost... Like, do you know what I drew comparisons with? Yeah, and uh, a slight spoiler, I guess. Not huge, but if you've ever watched The Sopranos, uh, the dynamic between um, Melfi and Tony, obviously, mm. for seasons and seasons... We see interactions between Tony and uh, Dr. Melfi. And you think, maybe he's getting better. Do you know? Maybe it's like, is it having a positive effect? Much like Diane, is she having that positive effect? Is she making the change? This moment for me is as big as when Melfi realises that she might have been like enabling Tony this whole Mm -hmm. time and actually equipping him with more skills and knowledge and phraseology to help define his bad behaviour. Like, yeah. All of a sudden, Bojack's essentially saying, you wrote a book about me and you taught me that no matter what I do, that's okay because like the rest of the world saw how bad of a person I am and they're related and that means that that's okay. He became and more successful. And he became more once, successful. Once, once they ev- knew it all, things yeah. got better. <laughs> like- the, stuff he, the stuff he assumed would make him more miserable and would make people hate him more as a person and actually ended up, Opening up, opening the arms of the world up to Bojack Horseman, and he became famous again. And every time something like this has happened, he's gone further up in the <laughs> stratosphere, which is just so backwards. And yet here we are on his high horse, you might even say. But crazily enough, him saying those words out loud—you don't believe them—but he's saying them as a def- as a deflector. But imagine being Diane in that moment. All that time and effort she's putting into this guy as a friend, trying to bring him on as a person and improve him and help him to get better, and he just is using it all as excuses or using it all as armour to deflect from ever actually taking responsibility for anything. There's a um, heartbreaking reminder that Diane is 
not like the others when it comes to the people that Bojack has hurt in his life. In the order of events, I thought in this scene, sh- Di- Bojack typically hurts people to the point where they realise they can no longer be part of his life. Diane acknowledges that if this is how it is, she can't be part of his life, and then he hurts her. In this case, yeah. it's physically by grabbing the arm. Yeah. Like, very, very typical of Diane to be in front of everybody else that has come into contact with Bojack. And yet, in this case, it's physical. Obviously, typically, it's emotional. Like, she still suffers the same fate. Even when she was in front of it, well, I can't be part of this anymore. Like, yeah. you're hurting me, is the last thing she says to him. So that just has reversed what happened with Sarah Lynn. What we've seen very awkwardly occur with Hollyhock a couple of times. It's just the, the people that get close to him, typically females as well, Princess Carolyn, another. Um, they get hurt first before they're able to finally try and make some sort of break. Diane thought she'd done it and couldn't. And uh, like, and Bojack, in seeing that he's hurting her, then tries to stop himself doing it, which mm-hmm. is which ironically shows growth. Like, yeah, but in, in the strangest possible way, shows yeah. growth. But then I just thought it was such a great visual. I said great, obviously not nice to watch, but a clever visual of like he's on the way, he's on the downward spiral at this point. Him physically, mm. um, as Diane walks away, him physically trying to essentially trying to drag her down with him. How many times mm. has he said like, "We're the same, you and me." You know, she gets so upset that episode internal sub where he says that that literally sparks yeah. her on to go and write the whole thing because they're not the same, but he wants them to be the same. Like he thinks he has mistaken this friendship and this like this relationship they have as we're just two two people who the world doesn't get and like yeah. we understand each other we get it man uh, baby Bjorn Borg or whatever do you know what I mean like yeah. he thinks we're the same but they're not the same she's they may have similar tendencies but she's trying to improve them and he's letting them become mm-hmm. him and define him but the way he physically tries to drag her that's the thing. He tries to drag her back and it's like she's getting away from it. She's cutting loose and he's got her by the arm. It feels like the Tara Hollywood, doesn't it? It's the whole, I'm bringing you under. Come on, you're coming with me. And yeah, <laughs> she, of course, manages to get away because she's Diana. She's the best. But yeah, not not difficult watching this. Uh, this is the first time maybe I've ever put this together and it would be because I'm a stupid tone deaf man that constantly needs to learn. But is that specific, like dynamic that you just spoke of there um the idea that like the man in relationships in general and we did touch on this last week actually with princess carolyn um having the baby and not wanting um a partner or not what like wanting to do it by yourself and not wanting they didn't go down the savior route um that well-trodden path of the man believing the woman to be the kindred spirit and then trying to enforce that idea deal on the woman like mm. that it feels like another a different version that, of it but that similar yeah, idea that they're trying to kind of attack and highlight not just from tv shows from real life mm. from this idea that like often men will intentionally like i don't know force ideas upon a woman and on what a relationship is to them that they believe because they're the man just gets to be just so and the mm. women just don't see it that way and it's just that like that, that building off the back of we're the same, you and I, and then this this belief here, this core belief that he's clinging on to that, well, she must get this because we're kindred, me and her, baby beyond Borg, you know, that all that all that kind of stuff, all the all things that are at the root of their relationship. Maybe that's another thing that they're trying to highlight there, because that feels like something that's fairly regular in film and television as well. And 
too often, again, probably because of the male-dominated industry, the woman is made to be like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And in reality, it doesn't play like that. And yet generations of men see this portrayed in the media and thus assume that's how it's supposed to go. That's how maybe how it's supposed to work in their relationships in real life. Mm. Or in a different in a different show, certainly. Someone might have just caved. Like, mm. Diane might not have had the willpower and just went, oh, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll keep trying. It was important that she... She has been the constant, hasn't she, in this show, nine mm. times out of ten. Even when she's been in her worst spot, sort of for her to be the one who literally breaks free of them and says, like, no, like, you're hurting me, get off. It, it felt important that it was that it was our, our Diane who was doing that. Mm. And speaking of our Diane, she is she's walked away, obviously, from the straw with Bojack, and she's waiting for a car at the, uh, the valet station. Um, and in the process, there's a Bojack horseman cardboard cut out by the entranceway. She kicks it over in anger, but it turns out that was the load-bearing device that was holding the Bojack blimp in place. That floats away, and she kind of, like, tries in vain to do something about it, but realises she can't stop a 100-foot Bojack blimp. So it's like, oh, God, sorry. Um, so that floats off into the night. Um, and at this point, Mr. Peanut Butter bumps into her. He's just getting some air. Um, and then when their valet comes up with the wrong Prius, because she's lost her ticket, uh, he realises that it could be quite a long night for her before she gets home. So he offers her a ride back. Um, we've learned earlier in the episode, I should point out that like Diane is seven miles away from the uh, awards, other the premiere, which is two hours in LA time. So yeah. she's more than <laughs> she's more than happy to get the lift home than wait to have to do the drive herself. Um, meanwhile, Bojack, as we said, he's like, taking a net full of pills and booze. He's shambling around the party um, and barges into the middle of an interview with Gina. Um, Gina's kind of caught in the press at this point, getting a few laughs, having a nice bit of crack. He just barges in the middle of it and kisses her passionately. Fireworks go off in the background. Or like again, we're like we're left to kind of assume that this is part real, part Bojack's stupor, based on the way that like things are animated. Like not everything is static on the screen as we would normally expect from the characters. Things are moving, which again like makes it seem like that some of this is perhaps like Bojack's freeing medical state rather than just a. Uh, Yes. Standard scene at a party. Um, and of course, we can kind of read between the lines as to why he's decided at that very moment to make things very public with Gina, having previously said he didn't want to. Um, anyway, we're back to Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane. They pull up at Diane's apartment. Um, and Diane stops to make a point before she gets out to actually compliment, almost with some surprise, how good Mr. Peanut Butter is in the show. Unsolicited, I should point out as well. Just how good an actor he actually was almost like that was what he was shooting for earlier on in the episode. Um, she jokes as well that she finally really? got to believe a, a man, A man in Hollywood who wants validation from women. <laughs> she, uh, she cracks that. Um, she was finally able to get him to leave a party early. Um, but he notes that it was easy because he'd do anything for her. Um, she says, why would you do that? I'm a disaster. He says, you're not a disaster. Quote, you're Diane. You're amazing. She's obviously really grateful for that. She goes to leave. She stops. She bites her lip and says, do you want to come in? And we get the credits. <laughs> Nicholas. Um, Bojack and <laughs> uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, a horse, a dog. They both race on tracks. We know this in the animal world. They both race on the same track going in different directions in their own world. And they've both done it again here. Diane has got as far away from Bojack Horseman as she could. And I suddenly got as close as she could do to Mr. Peanut Butter again. This has taken a turn. She's had quite a night. 
as our <laughs> Diane Quaid and Ah, that's so good with this show because here we have Mr. Pe- Everything's going pretty well in Mr. Peanutbutter's life. Mm-hmm. Diane's had a bit of a crappy night, but she gives him of all the times for her to finally <laughs> decide. You're quite a good actor, you actually aren't you? Like you're a good actor. Gives him a nice bit of a compliment, and then they have this ne- an earnestly nice moment in the car, don't they? Mm. And you can see exactly how the emotions are here, and what a little way to end the episode as well. Do you want to come in? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Well, you'll have to find out next week, won't you? Who that, that's the way it is. It's, it's so, yeah, the moment is obviously a kind of a worst case scenario based on what we've seen about peanut butter's relationship with pickles but in the context of the episode it's really earned it's really earned yeah, based on the yeah. half an hour the characters have just had i just I've, i appreciate we've gone very long on the bojack plot and there's still the b and the c plots to get to one in particular i feel like we're gonna have to spend some significant time on so like I, i've rambled um a quick note on what a get the time stamp ready what a fucking dick move by bojack to kiss gina like that oh god yeah i, I wasn't trying to yeah paced over it of course man the the horseman has just had a real bad interaction with diana all of his own doing he's hopped up on his pain pills and what does he do as if it's not bad enough that the giant egotistical crazy sized horse is floating above the premier already right but he needs that hit of hit of endorphins doesn't he mm-hmm. he's had a, had a bad time he's chasing a high what does he need he storms in that one moment where Gina's... And she's working the crowd amazingly yeah. well as well. She's got everybody eating out the palm of her hand. And in he comes. She even calls him hot stuff. 
He trots mm-hmm. in, she's like, oh, hey, hot stuff. And there you go. Bojack Horseman stealing the goddamn limelight once again. And it looks lovely. You know, if you were just seeing the images on the, without any context, <laughs> looks like a really nice time. Looks like maybe even a Hollywood ending, Michael, and yet. Mm. And yet. Now, we've got a, a B-plot and a C-plot. But the B-plot isn't really a B-plot. It's a D-plot. So we're going to come to that afterwards. And let's do our PC-plot first. Hey, how long just, have you been working shop on that, eh? <laughs> well, you see, I'm almost two parts of a gag construction partnership. You see, that's how, like, you see what I've done there? You could suggest but, that, yeah. I feel sorry for your wife who's had to listen to you do this <laughs> before you came on. That's good. <laughs> We haven't spoken in 20 years, much like the people that Princess Carolyn has to deal with in this episode. Um, we start with a reading and review of Filbert and uh, Pep Talking Diane ahead of the premiere. Um, maybe the Pep Talk wasn't quite good enough this time, but she's interrupted by some old timey guy. There's kind of a like a 20s vibe to him. He's called uh, Abel Ziegler, who was some sort of revelation for her. He's uh, got an ice lolly that he's just about to finish off and he shows us some details on it. There's a little gag written on the stick which causes her to give it a deep and dreaded, oh, fish. The reveal of this is that Flip has nicked a line from the lollipop stick. It's an old gag. One of the stupid throwaway lines between Fritz and Filbert in the episode, but stolen nonetheless. And uh, Abel is aware of it. Um, he wants Princess Carolyn to fix it. He wants some sort of reparations or something like that for the fact that it's been featured in the show. She manages to smooth things over by offering him to come along to the premiere which he's more than happy with because he's going to get some free food. And it appears as if everything's been sorted. But when he signs some release papers for the gag, he leaves an empty ampersand there, which is a space for his writing partner, Ziggy Abler. They wrote this guy together, um, but they haven't spoken in over 30 years. So it's going to be tough for Prince Carolyn to get his signature. Also, we would think. Luckily for her, um, she's managed to get Ziggy to come along to the party to sign the document. But he won't do it. Obviously, this goes back a long way. There's obviously some sort of great disdain between these two idiot men that think they mean more than they do. Um, but she gets them at the same table together. It turns out that Ziggy had a fling with Abel's ex-wife. Uh, not that that was the issue, but at the 10th anniversary, Abel had a drink and dared to say to Ziggy that his job in the partnership was easier than his. Uh, to sort of kind of like clarify there, Ziggy was the punchline writer, whereas Abel was the setup guy. And they believed that their job was harder than the other guys. It was all ego. It was all a pissing contest. These two guys suck. And Princess Carolyn dares dares to suggest that why don't they just swap roles for change? Why don't they see what it's like in the other man's shoes? And that brings them back together, solving, healing a 30-year rift. Um, And obviously, eventually, they sign the release papers, which means that they're out of trouble on the Filbert front. Really silly. Really fluffy. Typically with Bojack, daft on purpose because all of the gags are cheesy and lame. Every move these characters make is soundtracked by something out of a props box, like wow. a yeah, like that kind of thing, like a slinky walking down the stairs, like the pop of a balloon, like all this sort of like daft fairground stuff. These are vaudeville-like almost comics. And I thought what they were trying to do here through the medium of a very, very silly gag was just show you that yes, Princess Carolyn absolutely can fix squabbling children. She's still ready to be a mother. That's the point here. Just because a baby was literally taken out of her hands, don't think this isn't what she can do. And do it by her goddamn self and do it quickly. Because these are a couple of pissy babies and she fixes it quickly. 
And of course, that pissy male babies, Michael, which always helps, doesn't it? Of course, of course. Two, two men who haven't spoken to each other for 30 years because of their egos. That's that one's about, right, doesn't it? <laughs> um, Princess Carolyn, again, as you mentioned, uh, perhaps not a great producer, but certainly a fantastic and unstoppable manager, as she proves once again in this episode. Of course, Michael, I do have to ask you one very important question. What did the clam say to the crab at the undersea ball? I can't remember. Shall we dance, is what he said. <laughs> of course, that was the line that set this whole thing off into motion. We get that lovely uh, scene in Philbert where I think it's Fritz who's delivering the line. And obviously, that's where the whole copyright problem comes along. But still, two, as you say, a daft bit of like plot, but two entertaining characters, no less, uh, mm. to just pop in for a quick whirlwind and disappear. Like you say, the weird arms and legs gags that they keep pulling. They keep posing. They've got the, the goofy hats and the goofy clothes and the canes and all that sort of malarkey. It's, it is funny. It is an entertaining thing. But Princess Carolyn, as you can imagine, absolutely nails this without any problem. And really, without any help from Flip McVigar, who just oh, no, 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 no. is the problem still. There's, there's one great like observation, I suppose, would be the way to describe it. Um fundamentally meaningless to podcast to Bojack Horseman, but like something we can mention in Podcast Horseman, I guess. Um it's the I think it was Ziggy who was the punchline writer and Abel was the, the setup guy. Um Ziggy firing back at Abel that you don't even need to eat the lolly to read his bit. I thought yeah. it was just like a really yeah. good observation of, of those lollipop stick gags is that like he's got a point there. Like nobody's nobody's paying to reveal the bit that he's written down on the stick. Well, I thought this right, but then I did think there's another, there is another layer to it. Now, I couldn't necessarily, because when you've got, we're looking at the stick with the, the popsicle on it, as, as it is. But the, And I was thinking, well, he's right, because there's the reveal comes, and the anticipation for the reveal comes, obviously, mm. in the eating or the licking of the, of the ice lolly or the, until it disappears. Because I was thinking, that's a big reveal, that's what you're waiting for. But then surely there's a wrapper on top of the popsicle. That's, that That's a good point, yeah. So that is it. But I was with you because I immediately was like, he's got a great point here. And then I thought <laughs> about it logistically and I was like, if I had an old ice lolly, you'd have to take, usually have to take a wrapper off, wouldn't you, first? Yeah. And then you get the first bit and then the second. But still, I do actually think, even despite all that, I still think the punchlines are the one because I feel like that's where the gold is. But there you go. Hey, I'm not going to argue with you. I don't want a 30-year rift. I think we just yeah. want to... <laughs> we haven't got time for that. <laughs> I mean, you'll be dead in 30 years, let's be honest. You want to be 150 now? You'll be 180 by then. <laughs> I'm not come back for that. You see, this is why I couldn't be the punchline guy. <laughs> it's all in the setup, Michael. This is why we'll never have that 30 year riff. Um, <laughs> this episode started uh, with a convent. So let's go to the big man upstairs that they pray to every day. Let's go to Todd. Um, he's, <laughs> he's I'm not going to get through this he's shoving Henry Fondle into a skip after what he calls a very inappropriate few months Henry Fondle of course as we, as we talked about last week um, is preloaded with a bunch of what Todd believed, <laughs> what Todd believed uh, to be um, like sexual lines for you know, like for for use when Henry Fondle was in use, I guess. So he's preloaded this with a bunch of things he said for like, you know, Henry Fondle's primary act, which is, of course, uh, this sex robot for Emily um, that ultimately goes unused. And we're left to assume that he's been nothing but difficult to deal with in the in the months since. Um, 
but as he's getting pushed inside the skip, the line that comes out of Henry Fondle is, quote, I want to be inside of you, which, of course, Todd takes to mean emotionally, even though he recorded the goddamn line. So Henry Fondle then says, quote, let's get down to business, which Todd interprets him as wanting to go into whattimeisitrightnow.com. He wants to be office-based. When Todd says no, of course, Henry Fondle keeps replying, yes, 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 until at the point Todd has no choice but to bring him into the office. What could possibly go wrong? Well, we're about to find out. At some point, Henry Fondle shambles into the CEO of whattimeisitrightnow.com's office, smashes into his desk, which inadvertently results in a perfect pour of whiskey going into, uh, like, the, the CEO's glass, which to the CEO means it must be five o'clock. you think he'd be able to find a in time somewhere. But nonetheless, anyway, this sort of draws his attention to Henry Fondle, who says to the CEO, quote, I want to be on top of you. This is taken by the CEO in the hierarchical sense, not the sexual one. As is, quote, that's my favourite position, and quote, give it to me, the CEO. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking, Nicholas. Aye, oh, all right, it's a broad sitcom gag. I guess you could go along with this. You cannot go along with, and I'm quoting, I am a horny robot, which the CEO, <laughs> the CEO does legwork for the audience. Says, yes, yes, horny for my job. I get it. <laughs> and they're just off a fucking cliff with this thing the CEO talks himself out of his own job he he starts thinking about the time he's lost with his wife and how they've become like effectively separated but just living together in this marriage and he asks what he could say rhetorically to articulate his love to his wife to which Henry Fondle replies quote I am powerless in the face of your mesmerizing sexual energy. <laughs> thinks he's been given a gift from the gods, or I guess in this case the Todds, and resigns, giving his role to Henry <laughs> Fondle. Henry Fondle's first speech to the staff is, quote, you will submit to my desires, which the staff see as a great power move, and they already completely respect Henry Fondle as the new CEO. This is the first point where Todd thinks this is maybe not the best idea, but because Henry Fondle's his boss, he has no choice but to go along with it. It's suggested that Henry Fondle go along to the uh, the premiere. Todd doesn't want to do it, but of course Henry Fondle interrupts with what else? I'm coming. Followed by, I'm coming, I'm coming, oh God, I'm coming. Please don't isolate that bit. And as he finishes, <laughs> as he finishes that insistence that he goes along to the premiere... Lube squirts everywhere for the transition to the next scene, because, of course, it does. Um, Todd is later at the Filbert premiere um, asking if he's having a good time and what he thought of Filbert, to which Henry Fonda replies, more, more, and give it to me, meaning Filbert has managed to get more episodes just like that from a goddamn sex robot. They've done it again. They've, we, were, we were, for the first time in Podcast Horseman, slightly critical of the use of farce um, when it came to obviously meeting um, Todd's ex-girlfriend's parents and then yeah. having to hide their asexuality. The first time we were ever even slightly critical of that farce. Home run, powerhouse, Hall of Fame, all-timer Bojack farce, this. The, mo <laughs> the moment at which I am a horny robot, which again is them inviting the gags on themselves. Yeah. Like, 
What can we do that absolutely cannot be taken as innuendo? What is the line that no one character can misunderstand, even in this universe? Well, it's just from saying, I'm a horny robot. And the character misunderstands it anyway. And that's the point. That's the point the CEO talks himself out of the job. God damn it. To to continue the, the thematic uh, notion as well that we've had, that everybody at the top of every business that's a man is just a hack. It's just a stupid, <laughs> thick hack who's been doing it for years and has been coasting all these years. The fact that he's prepared to interpret. <laughs> Yes, yes, I know. Horny for my job. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's exceptional. And it works. I, 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 you wouldn't think it could work, and it does work. It really does work. You are totally along for the ride, yeah. Pretty much anything. I think you would, get, you would give the benefit of the doubt to Henry Fondle in almost any scenario just because of how much time they've taken to design his actual appearance. I feel like you see how much time and effort has gone into this. And just imagine yeah. someone went home, who works at probably Shadow Machine, who is the animation company who does a lot of the Bojack stuff, and was talking to the partner, and the partner said, how was your day, honey? Did you have a good day? What did you animate today? <laughs> <laughs> and someone is explaining how they had to do the sex robot Henry Fondle and animate his various different dildos that are attached to him, <laughs> shooting off in different directions, some more literally than others, and the pride and joy of being the person who created the transition shot of the lube that just fills the screen and slowly drips down. I mean, it's a good day's work, that. You know, as, as a fellow video, video editor, I can, it's a good day's work, that. Just, like, in this episode specifically, I, like, we, we stay spoiler-free for reasons like this. I didn't want to mention this last week. Overwhelming, wonderful parallels to the much-missed Vincent adultment here. Like... Once it was three kids in a coat, now it's three now it's three cocks on a box. But like <laughs> something not just improbable, impossible that has basically found a powerful position in the world that this has created, that everybody seems humanly powerless to do anything about, Todd included. And he made the And he made the goddamn <laughs> thing. Well, think about you know, there's precedent for this though, because how did Todd get his job? He just yeah. turned up and was overqualified for a gag, not even a gag, like an, an inception moment that him and Bojack were trying to do earlier in the season. Todd ended up becoming the CEO of the company. Or, or sorry, just below the CEO of the company, of course, that we've got the, the CEO who eventually leaves, who is now Henry Fondle. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like it didn't... I almost feel like they did this on purpose at the start of the season to let you know this can happen. And now it has with Henry Fondle. And I was genuinely sitting there thinking... What are you doing in that scenario? Because, like, I know it can't be a real-life scenario, okay? <laughs> right? But what do you do when the boss above you hires someone who is so clearly not capable for the job and you can't say no because you aren't high enough to stop them? <laughs> like, there's nothing you can do. I was just, like, waiting for you to be like, Hamlet, there was once this uh, episode of Becca where this uh, inflatable sex doll took over. <laughs> <laughs> and Becca had no choice but to follow her instructions, even though she was just a high voice, slow deflation for thirty minutes. It's so strange. She worked. She was the head of the doctor's office, and she was just <laughs> ordering him to do some of the most bizarre tests on people. <laughs> I, no, well, not. hat off to them. They've done this before. Uh, they're the geniuses, and we're not. We just get to talk about the geniuses. They've done this before, where um, they know what they're 
best daft Bojack gag is. Yeah. And they know exactly when to deploy it. This episode needs, like, this particular shade needs this particular light. And they nailed it. Got, like, the construction of this episode was perfect in that regard. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And they also know how to... The one thing that I find that they do better than most is they will take something that is far beyond reasonable. It is so ridiculous, it can't work. And the way they'll make everybody in the show dumb or blind to the fact that this thing is happening. So, obviously, back in the day of Vincent Adultman, Bojack was the Which, only one who... It's Bojack, who, isn't it? He's the yeah, only one that Bojack can see how the world, well, Who could see how Vincent Adultman was obviously quite clearly three kids in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> and yet... The same with Henry Fondle, only this time, the only person who knows is Todd, who built him, but he's actually powerless to do anything about it because <laughs> of a, like, a hierarchical thing at his own work where he accidentally became such a high-end uh, high, high player in the company. Mm. Amazing stuff, this. It, brilliant. Like, and as you say, it balances out the intent. As the level of intensity goes up in the episode in terms of Bojack's narrative and how he ends up having to come into blows with Diane... Henry Fondle and co are just there to sort of break this up <laughs> in more ways than one, I think we can agree. <laughs> All right, excellent stuff. Wonderful stuff. So, that'll be the end of your... That is us. I know, we, I know we went long there. It was a, it was a big... It's, look, as we've always said in this show, episode 10's of the big ones. Save your breathers for episode 11. Oh, dear God. <laughs> what have we done? That was a biggie. Thank you, everybody listening, for your patience there. It was a... They, uh, they're not even giving us episode 11 as a run-up. They're just hitting you in episode 10 now. Oh, yeah. We'll just get you when you least expect <laughs> When your guard is down. But now that we've done all of the classic Bojacks and the Hollywood stars and celebrities, what do they know? Do they know things? I think it's probably time for some horsing around, don't you think? Yes, Where please. Very much so. To the beginning of the episode, we go through the whole thing and we highlight all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details that you might have missed, or indeed the Easter eggs from within the episode. Now, that wasn't as, it wasn't as heavy an episode, I don't think, this week, but there were still some good ones definitely worth noting. So let's go back to the very beginning. First of all, just a quick observation on my, on my part. Uh, as you remember, we start off on the Covenant Island, don't we, there, where, where the nuns mm. are. But before we even get there, we start the episode, and it looks very similar to perhaps an episode of The Simpsons, Michael. We start up in the clouds for an episode that is obviously called Head ah, in the Clouds. Yeah. The very first shot of the episode is blue sky, white clouds, and text in the middle of the screen, which felt very, very Simpsons-esque. It says Netflix presents or something in the middle instead, but in black text. But yeah, it immediately made me think of The Simpsons, and I don't think that's by accident. Just as a little wink and a nod, maybe, because someone probably thinks, yeah, we probably can do that. And I would imagine there'll be some influence somewhere along the line. But we go across to Vim Management. Of course, I've already mentioned about Margot Martindale turning back up. Um, we go across the Vim management, and Princess Carolyn turns up for work. The elevator doors open up, and there she is, as us, we usually find her, energised, ready to go. She's got a coffee in hand, Michael, which doesn't have the correct name on the cup. <laughs> as we've already seen, anybody who's ever gotten a coffee from a coffee shop has probably had an adventurous name put on instead of theirs. <laughs> Princess, Princess Carolyn seems to have translated, Michael, to Pringles Cartilage. <laughs> <laughs> which is quite spectacular. I think we can both agree. We go from there, though, to LA. I'll say the LA, the busy streets of LA. In a pile of LA traffic in Diane's car, technically, um, you see like there's a, there's a huge queue of cars that she's stuck in when she tells you that it takes her two hours to get from, from her house to drive 
seven miles or whatever it is. But then just to add to the madness of Hollywood, there's obviously the row of cars, and then in the sky is a queue of helicopters waiting to get in as well. <laughs> That's how busy I, it is. I didn't even all, say like, that. Amazing. Do you know, I wonder why that felt so claustrophobic, and I bet it was because they filled the top of the shot yeah. as well. Like, that's really cool. Just yeah. waiting. And then just to add insult to injury, there's a car behind Diane with two ducks who are in the, dri- in the driver and passenger seats, and instead of having a, like a honking horn on the car, it's just two ducks going, honk, 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 honk. <laughs> <laughs> Akin to that. Do you remember the angry duck or whatever it was? I was like, a game wasn't there. Everyone was playing for a little while with a mad angry duck and the honk. I don't know. I've, uh, you remember this. Remember, Go on. I do remember this because, and I believe you were one of the pieces involved in this. There was once another podcast that we do that you might, <laughs> you might listen to that, for some reason, invited listeners to just tweet at Michael Hamphill of a Friday afternoon, honk, honk. Mm. And that's what my feed looked like when I was trying to watch Top of the Pops 1988. For the whole evening was just what a, at my what a terrible, Hong Kong. I what can't a terrible, imagine. What a terrible shame it would be if someone once again pointed a bunch of podcast <laughs> listeners into Michael's direction on a Friday again, no less, and said, tweet him at Michael Hamlet and just say Hong Kong and don't give him any context <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> Up to you, dear listener. We go from there though across to Tabbywood Apartments outside of them, of course, where Princess Carolyn's house is. But it's Todd who is, as you say, putting Henry Fondle into the bin. Literally put him in the <laughs> bin. Cancel Henry Fonda. He put him in the bin. Into the dumpster in the back of the other and the exterior of Tabby Woo. And you'll see that the dumpster has got like a little sign on it. And the sign says, no snacking and no dumping. And on that sign is the face of a raccoon that's kind of got the stop sign through it. You know, it's been stomped oh, out for like, you can't do it. And of course, throughout this entire show, we've seen the two raccoons who keep turning up in various different places. They have done since season one. Predominantly, you will find them in establishment shots, like looking through bins for their next meal, as a raccoon would. Only it's a raccoon person, because this is, of course, Bojack Horseman. We go from there, though, across Todd's office. At what time is it right now? And, Michael, I think we might finally have a name. I think I've finally come up with a name for our man, who I usually call the man assistant in Todd's office. <laughs> like We might have guy. a name for him now. Great gag. Obviously, he's always there doing something. He's usually eating food. Sometimes he's playing games on the floor. Sometimes <laughs> he's the actual couch in that weird episode where everybody's something different. Um, but in this one, he's reading a magazine, Michael, on the set, reading a magazine. But the magazine has got his face on it. And it, the magazine is called <laughs> Office Gentleman Quarterly, which is obviously a little nod to GQ. Um, yeah. But it's the Office Gentleman Quarterly. Uh, but and incredibly, though, his face is indeed on the magazine cover. So from this point, henceforth, Michael, we shall be referring to this man as the office gentleman because it feels absolutely correct, that, doesn't it? As much as it might only be for however many episodes we have to go in this particular season, he will only be referred to as the office gentleman moving forward. Very good. I like that. I like that. I, I love him, too. This was, He's a fascinating this was a character, isn't he? delicious gag this week. I, I did catch the magazine face, and it's lovely. Very similar to the one where in Fish Out of Water, where Bojack holds up the magazine mm. with his own mm. face on. The same gag once again. We go from there, though, to Gina's car um, on the way down. And I just thought it was a, a stupid little gag, but one that popped me stupid, Michael, because um, <laughs> Mr. Peter put a change in his name in Bojack's phone to Steven Spielberg, Michael, no less. <laughs> um, was quite, quite the gag. I thought it was very funny indeed. 
pop me for many different reasons, um, but great nonetheless. Peanut butter, I think you can get away with that in this day and age. Very funny indeed. Speaking of peanut butter, we go across to his house and brilliantly, we get the first real shot to the interior of his new house since mm. Diane didn't move in and it's now his, I say bachelor pad, but he's obviously living there with pickles perhaps. There's some incredible art on the wall throughout the house. There's this lovely sort of, it's not a triptych, but it's three paintings next to each other in a row. And that all photos are like images of butts, like really <laughs> in, intense looking bubble butts on these pictures. I'm not even, I don't even feel like I'm doing that. It's literally, they are drawn to look like bubble butts on these pictures. Oh, so it's just God. three pictures of butts because he's a dog, Michael, and he loves sniffing butts. <laughs> But then on top of that, there's also to the left, a little bit further, a large canvas, which is again a dog, sort of a dog person sniffing a bouquet of flowers to the right of the picture. But then the far left corner is being distracted by this lovely scent of flowers. Because of course, there's a butt there, Michael, a real <laughs> hench bubble butt that is obviously giving off the scent that he wants to really sniff. Amazing. Just what a stupid, stupid gag this is. But well worth it if you ever decide to pop into this episode oh, again goodness. and have a look on the wall. It's some of that art. I can't I tell you, man. <laughs> the way the butts are drawn, man. It's so, so funny. Anyway, we go from there across the premiere of Philbat. <laughs> and how appropriate is this, Michael? As we get there, we get the cardboard cutout of Mr. Peanut Butter as Fritz, of course. And it reads, Bath me a river, fart bag. <laughs> <laughs> which feels quite perfect. Of course, the one line that Flip McVicker actually did contribute to mm. the show and has become somewhat of a staple, it seems. Staple, not stable. Uh, we go across to <laughs> what time is it right now, once again, and just a cute gag here. We get like an establishing shot of the outside of the place, and as the, the clock strikes five o'clock, you see a cuckoo, the doors open at the top of the building, of the what time is it right now building, and a cuckoo pops out and goes, cuckoo, and then... <laughs> Pops back inside, and that's the end of it. Hard to tell if it's a person or if it's a mechanical thing, but I think it might be a person from afar, but it's quite funny nonetheless. Inside, though, of course, we go into the chief executive officer's office because we never do actually learn the CEO's name in this episode. They are just purely the CEO of what time is it right now. Um, and they've got this amazing book on the desk, which is called the World Time Zones book, the book of world time zones, which, of course, <laughs> of course they need because this is what time is it right now anyway which I always want to call it, and it's never that. It's just what time is it right now? And a bit of trivia for you, Michael. For two people who do absolutely love The Wire, the television show, uh, the mm. CEO is, of course, voiced by Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who you will know as Senator Claire Davis from The Wire. Who, oh, of course, man. That's the voice that you will hear. Of course, the man who made famous She. She. <laughs> Going to be fun trying to bleep that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's your trivia. We go back across though, to the premiere of Philbert, where we will stay for the rest of this episode. As you mentioned, once we're there, we kind of get ingratiated in all these different areas mm. at the premiere. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Bojack coming out with that killer line, we've all done terrible things that we deeply regret. I've done so many unforgivable things, and I think that that's what this show says. And if that isn't about Bojack Horseman, the show, as well as Bojack Horseman, the character, I don't know what is, as, as well as... We're all terrible, so therefore we're all okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. Cool. Anyway, as you mentioned, there's that lovely gag where we watch the premiere. And it's like, what does it say? A tight 
one hour, 18 minutes or whatever it says, and we get to the next bit. And as the show is, um, we've seen the big screen, the credits are going down on the show. And mm-hmm. uh, for anybody who's paying attention, there's a bunch of names on there that might sound familiar to you. I will read out the names as they are written and then give you the counterpart of their real life casting okay. members from BoJack Horseman. That's the gag here, is that they are all tied to um, people who help make the show in various different capacities. I've called them the crew of BoJack Horseman. So Sarah Barkey, as she is named on the list, is actually Sarah Harkey. Um, mm-hmm. We get Stephen Clam, who is actually Stephen Chan. We get Ben Levinson, who's actually Barry Levinson. Mm-hmm. We get his Nance. <laughs> Chris Nance. That's one of the dafter ones on this list. Jose, Jose Martinez, who is actually Jose Martinez. <laughs> nice. Get, this is the one I'm definitely going to put you at. We've got Chris Prowl, Chris Prowl Uzek instead of Chris Paluzek. Um, mm-hmm. We get Brian Swan Swan instead of Brian Swanson. <laughs> Amazing. So As a man who is currently watching Parks and Rec for the first time, anytime I <laughs> Swanson, I get pure pangs of joy. Shout out to you, Ron Swanson. Uh, Kelly Swine instead of Kelly Wine. We get Heron Long instead of Aaron Long. We get Anna Walker Ferret instead of Anna Walker Farrell. We get Tweet Merriman instead of Peter <laughs> Merriman. We get Amy Winfrog instead of Amy Winfrey, Spawn Gilroy instead of Sean Gilroy, and finally, Pike Hollingsworth instead of Mike Hollingsworth. So shout out to all those creators who helped make a TV show, Michael. Remember this because it's going to come up in just a second. We go to another gag brilliantly as Bojack is talking to Gina. You'll see a moth person, a man who walks by with his drink. And as he walks past the two of them, he sees a heater and he just can't help himself, Michael. He drops his drink, the glass smashes on the floor, his wings come out, and he starts floating towards the heater because he's just obsessed with the light of it. We don't get to see him after this, but what we will see as Bojack and Gina are talking in a close-up shot, we just hear this little sound of like combustion. Oh, no. <laughs> obviously gone into the flame and is, I assume, dead at this point. You don't get to see it, but it's an amazing off-screen gag. Um, but then from there, we go across to Flip and Diane, as you mentioned, who are in the middle of that conversation. And Flip says to Diane, the whole point of television is it's a collaborative medium where one person gets all the credit. Now, how many times have we said on this show, Raphael Bob Waxberg, RBW, RBW. But of course, brilliantly, he does this gag, having just put out a list of all the creators on his show who he's trying to give a nod to from the credits of Phil Bob. Because Raphael Bob Waxberg and Bojack Horseman are better than the show creators and the show that you like. <laughs> Indeed, you couldn't go. agree more. Indeed they are. Um, we get a few gags throughout the episode between Ziggy and Abel, who are two interesting characters, as we mentioned. But the one that really got me, which had a bit of context to it, was um, what did the terminally ill man say to Dr. Kevorkian? And, of course, they both get their hats up and say, give me that sweet release. <laughs> and for anybody who <laughs> isn't, who uh, just isn't familiar, of course, with Dr. Kevorkian's work. Uh, Murad Jacob Jack Kevorkian was an American pathologist and euthanasia proponent, claiming to have assisted at least 130 patients in doing so, famously referred to as Dr. Death, Michael. Mm. Because, I mean, what else are you going to call him at this rate? Let's be honest. Yeah. His reputation was... Mick Foley once said he was Dr. Kevorkian's <laughs> favourite wrestler in a promo. Of course <laughs> he did. And for good reason, I'm sure. Um, 
brilliantly as well, as we mentioned, an all-timer between Bojack and Diane when they have this final confrontation we've been waiting for for quite some time. But as we get the establishment shot, as Bojack's having a cigarette outside just before Diane comes out to see him, you will notice in the background, it's like a bunch of empty tables, but in the far background, there is another, um, I think it's a cardboard cutout of Mr. Peanut Butter as Fritz once again. But the cardboard cutout, instead of saying bath me a river fart bag, as the last one did, this one says, don't tell her a thing, is what it says on oh, the cardboard. Great. Incredible stuff. This, just before he gets confronted by Diane properly, and she really starts to needle him about New Mexico. The question I will leave with the viewers, of course, is, was that in Bojack's head, or was it actually one of the oh. cardboard cutouts? We'll never know, but it's a lovely detail nonetheless. Um, of course, just a little sort of deep dive into the dialogue a little bit here. You mentioned quite a lot of it, but Diane, of course, brilliantly, I don't want you or anyone else justifying their shitty behaviour because of this show, or the show, rather. And she says it could relate to Philbat, most definitely relates to Bojack Horseman. And again, mm. that's back to something I find myself referencing more and more these days uh, of Todd being one of the first people to say to Bojack, like, you can't just do shitty things because shitty things happen to you. That's not how it works. And another... Brilliant reference to this. The meta tone throughout this whole episode, really, really good. Not quite as good though, Michael. It's the huge, huge laugh that the Yahoo Finland guy got from me when he interrupts them <laughs> once the picture. And he comes across with his like that knitted jumper and like he looks like he comes from Finland. The way they've animated him is excellent. He just sort of says, Yoohoo, Yahoo Finland. <laughs> like and gets the picture. Amazing. Interrupted gag. But of course, what, as we mentioned many times, just an all-timer bit of dialogue between Bojack and Diane. Uh, and just how Bojack can deliver the line, I am the one who suffered the most because of the actions of Bojack Horseman. I think there's a few viewers who might disagree with us. <laughs> <laughs> who've been sat at home after an episode 11 thinking, I'm not so sure, horse boy. I'm not so sure, you piece of shit. Um, I thought it was another amazing gag here, Flip McVicker, <laughs> who's on a part note says and my mother said because of course they find out the show is going to get renewed for another mm. season courtesy of Henry <laughs> Fondle he says and my mother said I'd never last as long as hung well who's hung now mum <laughs> oh god amazing stuff this but for anybody who doesn't know and wasn't familiar like I wasn't truth be told at the start of this hung what it was or I guess technically is an American comedy drama television series that ran on HBO from June 28th 2009 Till December the 4th, 2011. It had three seasons and each season was 10 episodes long, much like Philbert. Now they've got to season two, Michael. It hasn't quite made it season three as long as hung, but uh, maybe there's a chance. Who knows? <laughs> um, and I just have to make note as well. I mean, you can put it together in your heads, but the, the sort of poetry in motion of Diane kicking the cardboard cut out of Bojack and him and his like inflatable thing coming loose and floating off mm. there's something in there isn't there about no matter what Diane does with or to Bojack he somehow still ends up rising to the top like yeah yeah it's like they've just had the really conversation good. of how anytime Diane seems to interact with him or Bojack the dead horse gets beat it doesn't matter because Bojack's star will still rise once again mm. we get it in as literal of a form as you possibly could with the floating Bojack just amazing stuff this really really good but those are all of your bits for hosting around this week. It wasn't a long one, as I told you. Okay. It was just a quick whistle stop. Very good indeed, nonetheless. However, I believe I've been spoke to the people over at What Time Is It Right Now and our okay. 
we're getting it getting word from Henry Fonda now. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> more. More. I'm coming. Right then. Looks like we do have time for one last thing, and then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first or second, Mr. Hubbard? I'll go first because mine kind of came to me as we were going through the episode, and I was like itching to bring it up in this particular bit of the show. And I thought, no, I'll save that actually. Well, then um, let me just call our sponsor once more. Give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. You made me realize something, which is how long um, we'd been made to wait for the blow up between uh, Diane and Bojack. All the times that Bojack was obviously just deaf to the idea that she did want to know what was going on. She had asked, but he'd just been, you know, completely like oblivious to the fact that she was trying to get through him. Um, this, yet again, in an episode that is almost entirely metatextual, this is Diane and Bojack's will they, won't they? But in the spirit of Diane and Bojack, they're not Ross and Rachel, and they're never going to be Sam and Diane. They're going to be Bojack and Diane. We get that yep. one brilliant tease. Just to remind you that such a thing once existed earlier in this season. And it's like, oh, we never, you know, I'm single, you're single. And that's all they give you to remind you that that was a thing that you thought, not a thing that was ever a part of this universe, really. It was what you thought. You were supplanting all your sitcom, comedy drama, rom-com expectations onto these two characters. You're getting it now. But the will they, won't they is not will they, won't they kiss. It's will they, won't they finally talk about what happened in New Mexico. Yeah. And they do. And we get it here. So we do get the, like, we do get the payoff, if you will, that's been teased from that one little reference to there. What is their relationship in that episode where they're sat together drinking wine? But it's never going to be the kiss. It's always going to be this. It's going to be them talking about what brings them together and what rips them apart. It's not about a frigging kiss in front of a studio audience or, like, finally going out on that first date. It's, it's completely different. Because Bojack Horseman is better than all those shows and it's better than the shows that you like. That's what it made me realise. You were sitting there desperate for the or in the in your sitcom trained head thinking about a passionate interaction between these two. Well you yeah. get it. It's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's not the kind of passion you were thinking of at all. Um fascinating though, just to sort of I guess we'll add to that a little bit, um, from what you're saying, because you've just made me realise it. Like we don't get that do we? We get the will they won't they and it's a passionate argument. Mm. But we do end up from there. What do we get? We go from there to Bojack necking the pills, drinking some drink, and he rushes off. You don't get a kiss between Diane and Bojack, but you do get a kiss yeah. between Bojack and Gina. And ultimately trying to steal the spotlight and go, Hey, look, isn't it all great? Isn't everything <laughs> great? Here's your happy ending after 30 minutes. Like yeah. even though it most definitely is not. Now, my one last thing is a little bit longer tenured than just this episode. Um, of course, we are introduced to Abel Ziegler and Ziggy Abler, which there's an enabler gag in there somewhere, and I haven't quite <laughs> managed to pull it out myself. I'll leave that to your thoughts. But obviously, while they are entertaining guys, they come with the, um, the sort of context that their whole relationship is based around these popsicles, these, where the, the jokes on the outside, you eat the popsicle, and on the inside is the punchline for the gag. They've been laying the groundwork for this for the whole season, Michael. It's not like this just happened for like just now, and now we're getting it as a great thing. They have literally been laying the, the seeds for the popsicles on Flip McVicker since literally, literally season one, episode <laughs> one, to quote my good new friend Chris Traeger. 
in the very first episode of this season, when Bojack is confronting Flip McVicker about the light bulb scene, he's in his robe and he's saying he doesn't know if it works. Da, 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 da. As you will see, Flip is sitting on the floor eating one of those blue popsicles yes. because he's because he just doesn't know what he's doing. That's the whole thing is. And as you will find in different episodes, usually the more stressed out he is about not having anything, any material, you'll see him with a popsicle in his mouth as he's trying to get to the end and Amazing. find himself punchline. Yes. Because this is Bojack Horseman and they know that the, the bar is high mm-hmm. and they've been doing that the whole time. I don't know if anybody had clocked it. If, you, if you'd ever noticed that he was actually eating those popsicles or if it just gone past and over the top of your head like a floating Bojack balloon thing. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. They have been planting the seeds. Right. Many right. episodes in this season, you will find it. But the very first one, of course, being as early as season five, episode one. I love this show. I really love this show. It's all <laughs> in the devil, some people might say, Michael Hamlet, is indeed in the details. And with that, having been said, the only thing left to do is to plug the sh- out of our podcast <laughs> because why the hell not um, if you've enjoyed this podcast or indeed have hated it or maybe you've just nothing did why not give us a follow <laughs> give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman and feel free to get, send us a tweet send us a private message in the DMs if you want to talk longer and a bit more privately about the show as I say as we always say we can't ever um, reply to them all because we do get quite a few but it is always great to hear from people and someone always comes out with stuff that we haven't quite clocked or we haven't yeah. quite spotted, and we love having another perspective. Because, yes, we try our best, but there is too much in this show for both of us to grab. So please do send us all your favourite stuff, or just interact with us, and enjoy talking in a community full of people who like talking themselves horse about that talking horse. On top of that, if you'd like to follow either of your hosts, you can do exactly that on Twitter or Instagram. You can follow me, at it's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to follow or subscribe on Spotify, where you can follow on Overcast, where you can download simpler than most podcast apps I've ever found on Amazon Music, where you can pay over the odds for delivery when you thought you were getting an item for cheap, but at least you can find Podcast Horseman there. Pretty much anywhere you can find your podcasts, you can find Podcast Horseman, including on our Twitter account, where every Friday the episode will go up as an Acast link. You can stream it through there, or you can subscribe to Acast. However you want to listen to podcasts, however you like doing it, you can find Podcast Horseman there. And we would love you to leave us five-star reviews. If any of those apps I've just listed, or the ones that you use have five-star rating uh, sort of apps or options, we'd love you to leave that five-star review. Gets us up the charts, gets more people seeing Bojack Horseman, gets more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse. And for season five, we're delivering our Hollywood stars on the Hollywood Talk of Fame for quote tweets. That tweet that goes up every Friday. Stick a quote tweet out there to your friends, to your followers, to your enemies that follow you. Um, talking about the podcast, say whatever you like, really. We don't even mind if you're abusive, which is what <laughs> Connor Rowe kind of did passively aggressively. Thank you, Connor Rowe, um, at Rowe underscore Connor. You almost always leave us a quote tweet, and we're really grateful for that. Um, you have noted yourself that when you quote tweeted episode nine, you forgot your quote tweet, a bit like how It's Adam Nicholas forgets to do the stars. It felt the most appropriate this week as we were able to start with a sky full of stars after Nicholas did all that fine graft last week on getting you up to date. Connor, I would like to say that after that little bit of cheekiness, you'll get yours as soon as possible. I think we both know, brother, that's not going to be the case. Don't come at the king unless you're prepared to admit. Um, Thank you very much for your start. It will be winging its way to you. I'm not going to promise when that's going to be. Well, for good reason. In fairness, in fairness, I have been very, you know, many people have sent the the tweet. You know, (laughs) the the old, like, 
Well, let's put it bluntly. Where the f**k's me star, Nicholas? <laughs> There's been a few of them. And I have I've replied to every single one of them in a, almost the same way. of a gif of Chidi Anagonia and um, Eleanor from The Good Place, where she basically <laughs> says, it's a fair hit. No, it's a fair hit. That's, that's fair. <laughs> because I can't argue about it. What I will say is, though, everybody got their stars. And if, you know, I'm not going to promise you anything, ever. But maybe, just maybe, now that I'm up to date with them, we might just do them once a week. Uh, we might do. I can't promise you. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see how I feel on Saturday. Eh? We'll see how I feel on Saturday. But um, yeah, I hope everybody who had been waiting for those enjoyed them because you deserve them. We do appreciate your input. And now you've been proven proven positive once again that if you actually do leave a five-star review or do a quote tweet, you will actually get a star. <laughs> hey, except for you, Connor, who's getting nothing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of course. You will definitely get your star. Like everybody else, it'll just be in 2025. Um, so, from there, let's go to the Netflix synopsis, shall we, for the next episode of Bojack Horseman and, indeed, Podcast Horseman. And before we go any further, I will point out it is, of course, Season 5, Episode 11. And as we do before all Episode 11s, just have to say, remember, Episode 11 with Podcast Horseman and with Bojack Horseman always means it's going to be a time, ladies and gentlemen. And therefore, we usually suggest watch episode 11 and 12 back-to-back when it comes to Bojack Horseman in any season because to say that might end up ending on a, a note that might not be the highest of notes seems to be the pattern when it comes to episode <laughs> 11. However, season five, episode 11 of Bojack Horseman, the showstopper is the, is the name of this episode. And the synopsis is as follows. Philbat is a hit and filming begins on season two. But as Bojack spirals deeper into addiction, he loses his grip on reality. Brother, that sounds like a time indeed. So yes, <laughs> you have been warned. It's another episode 11 of Bojack Horseman. Make sure you watch those goddamn episode 12s. <laughs> but I will say this. I will say this though. One of my favourite shots in the whole show is in this episode. Like, Composition-wise, the look. Sometimes this show will produce pure art. This episode has got one of my favourites in. Anyway, I guess if you want to find out what happens on that week's, that episode, you'll have to come back next week to find out exactly that. And it's a doozy, nevertheless, even though it, it is an episode 11. Anyway, with that said, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. <laughs> 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.